Welcome to Faith Fondue, a podcast featuring author and speaker Haley DiMaria and teacher and blogger Ann Strickers. Faith Fondue will feature a melting pot of topics ignited by a flame, our faith, and guided by the Holy Spirit. It's the week of May 22nd. We are in season three, episode 13. It is the 16th week of Easter. It is also commissioning week here in Annapolis, Maryland, which means lots of fun things like the Blue Angels, but lots of traffic also as we welcome about 20,000 additional people into a 45,000 person town. And in Baltimore this weekend, it was the Preakness, which is a big event here. And of course, the second leg of the Triple Crown. So Anne, this brings me to our question for the week. Um, For those of you who don't know, you should. My co-host Anne writes an exceptional blog, Sports and Spirituality. You should definitely check it out. She also teaches a class by the same name. So here's my question, Anne. Do you consider horse racing a sport? Absolutely. Love the question and want to put it in a little bit of context. First of all, thanks for the shout out to the blog. You know, as you were saying that, Haley, I don't think I've ever written about horse racing. My mother loves it. She's, her parents are from Ireland. There's a big, I think, you know, Irish people love gambling and and sports. That's just a cultural phenomena. So she loves it. I, I'm indifferent. It wasn't, you know, I, I want to hear since you live close to a big sports you know, racing event, but I track the sports person of the year every year. And I could have sworn that uh, secretariat. So who was the, the horse recently that won the triple crown? I'm trying to remember the name. You probably remember the name is Sundance. I don't, I don't remember the name, but before that secretariat was the horse that won and there was the movie, maybe it was in the movie was out, but in recent years, some other horses won the triple crown. And I could have sworn that secretariat was the sports person of the year, but it wasn't the horse because I do think horses are athletes. So in my class, we talk about what is an athlete because they train, they compete. Interesting. You have to invite the mental piece. So obviously his jockey, whose name was Steve Calthan, I'm not saying his last name right, was the sports person of the year in 1977. So interesting. Is definitely, isn't that interesting? Um, and, and yeah, jockeys are incredible. Right, they right. Are certainly, an, it, you know, like many sports, they draw a certain body type. I don't know how people get into be into jockeying. Would that mm-hmm. be the verb mm-hmm. or the? Yeah, uh, jockeying, sure. Family. I would imagine it's something you grow up around or you are privy to. So jockeys are great athletes, what they have to do. So, I don't know. Yeah, so it's interesting. So Secretariat was 1973. There okay. were, you know, a triple crown is, is, there was a drought of them. There was a triple crown yes. winner in 77 and 78, and okay. then not again until 2015 with ah. American Pharaoh. Okay, I would not have gotten that in a trivia question. I mean, maybe it was a choice, but I would not have been able to. So, American so I looked yeah. at that American Pharaoh, I yeah. knew. I wanted to make sure I got the dates right, just because I okay. remember very distinctly where I was when American Pharaoh won that race. And then there was another Triple Crown winner, Justify, in 2018. So just three years later. Oh, okay, okay. Which is really interesting. Now, there are cert- there won't be a Triple Crown this year, of one, because we had two different winners with the Kentucky Derby and then the Preakness. But 
Um, also because the Kentucky Derby winner did not even race in the Preakness. So yeah. there was no shot there for it to, to be a triple crown winner. So I have to say, I don't know if I, I think I was, I think I was expecting you to answer no. So, huh. and I don't know why. And so I guess, I guess I think of horse racing, I'm thinking of the horse, but you're right. The athlete, the jockey is, is a phenomenal athlete. It has to be. It's, mm-hmm. um, it, it takes great physical skill. And I guess maybe yeah. that's another question for us is what, what are the traits of an athlete? You know, what makes someone an athlete or not? Yes. Um, you know, is it because he's riding a horse? Do you consider uh, an F1 driver an athlete because he's driving a car and not an animal? Yeah, yeah. Good, uh, good analog. I don't, I don't know. I think I would, I think I would consider a jockey a, an athlete before I would consider an F1 race car driver. I don't, I don't know. I've got to think on that. So um, I'd be curious to know if you think a car driver is an athlete that takes great physical skill too. Yeah. Not that they sweat and the mental stamina and, and they just do train physically. They yeah, absolutely. The, absolutely. I mean, what it takes to control those cars. Um, so it they was, eat. I have never been to the Preakness. It is a, oh. I haven't, it's a huge event huh. in Baltimore. It is, it seems like kind of a rite of passage for young adults Okay. And clearly a a social event in different ways. You have kind of the grandstand, the VIP areas, and then you have the infield, which is where my son and his friends were. Two different experiences, I think, between the infield and um, the VIP sections. But mm-hmm. uh, I think I do need to go because it is, a, it is a huge event. It is right here in our backyard. And it's a very, very Baltimore thing to do. So kind of, I, we, I played Uber driver, drove them up, dropped them off okay. because parking is non-existent. Oh, you're good. Yeah. Well, yeah. so we met some friends and had brunch yeah. and drove back because we had a graduation party. It all worked out. It was fine. I enjoyed it. And, yeah. you know, sometimes when you have teenagers and college kids, time in the car is all you get. So you're happy to drive them around. Yeah. But yes. um, just kind of watching the crowds as I was navigating my way through trying, you know, picking them up and dropping them off was pretty neat. So yeah. a neat experience. Well, it's worth noting that in 19th century America, the three most popular sports were baseball. Doesn't boxing, surprise me. That doesn't surprise me. And horse racing. So going back to that notion of sport and spectator sport and you definitely have issues of class, probably mm-hmm. race, mm-hmm. you know, all of the things that sports invites in. So congratulations to the winner um, and all those people who bet on the right horse. I'm sure they're happy. Speaking of betting, I won a little money myself. I have a friend who's Irish and placed a number of bets on the PGA championship. Now, I did not pick Justin Thomas to win. I did a smarter bet, which was who would make the cut. So ah. that was... That way I can, I can just enjoy Saturday and Sunday right. without, you know, so many, somebody was saying the other day that young people, I don't know if you find this among your sons, they, just so many young people bet to keep their interest in sports. And that's what it takes sometimes for young people to be interested in their not... fantasy teams and leagues and whatnot. Yes. I'm not sure... So they, um, they definitely 
bet through my husband. He does the betting for them, of course, because they are not of age, but it is a frequent topic of conversation in our house as who my husband should bet for or bet on. And, um, but I don't, that's an interesting question. I don't know if that keeps their interest in sports. They, I, I don't know what came, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg. I'm not sure what comes yeah. first, the interest in sports. So then therefore the interest in betting or vice versa. Um, yeah. I might have to ask them about that, but that was all part of my flame this week, but I do, I just want to follow up by saying I, um, for the most part was much better about getting sleep last week. Okay. I did my best. I did a better job of, you know, just moving around walking. I made it to yoga one day. I haven't done that in okay. months. Uh, I ate better. I did not okay. eat the cupcakes as I had the following week. I think one day I had like eight of them in one day, which is, okay. it was about six cupcakes and then the icing off the rest of them. Um, oh, so right. I was, I, I did a fairly good job of, um, making my commitment that I made, uh, in our melting pot last week. So just wanted to touch base on that. Sometimes we don't follow up on what no, our takeaways but... were, but I not patting myself on the back, just reporting that I was able to stick to that. So we'll talk about what I'm going to do this week too. I'm going to try to do yeah. it again. It makes a difference. I have a question. Um, well, first, well done. Second, any tips for our listeners? What there's so many times where we set out to do something and whether or not we do it is the story of the week, so to speak. So anything that you feel like you, other than being in, setting the intention, was there anything that you were mindful about that got you to make these better choices? It was a conscious decision and inner dialogue every night. So usually what happens is I sit on my computer my husband likes to watch TV. That's the way he compresses, decompresses. Mm -hmm. He's got some shows he binges with our kids. It's kind of what he does with them. And they talk about it and they watch whatever they watch. I think right now they're watching the flight attendant, I think the name of it is. But so I find myself having probably an hour or so of time to myself, which is great. But what I yeah. usually do is sit on my computer and scroll through social media and catch up on everything I missed all day when I'm working. And I tend to stay up later than I need to and eat poorly. So my goal, so that's like the trifecta. I'm not getting sleep. I'm wasting time on my computer, which I don't need to do. And I'm eating poorly. So I made a decision last week to not get on my computer when I came home from work. If I had any computer work I needed to do, I was only doing it at work and to just go upstairs and it, it worked. It helped. So yeah, I craved I it, but it's, um, it's really, you have to think you have to make a, it, you just, you have to make that decision every day. And I, try. I, I, and I don't I, always do it, but I try. Every study shows how for better quality of sleep, you're supposed to be off the computer an hour before you go to bed. And maybe the hour is intentionally long, knowing people won't do an hour. Maybe you'll get to a half hour. And yet I often work right up until I go to bed. And the sad thing is that I don't have a problem going to sleep a lot of times. But you could ask the question, would I sleep better if I, mm -hmm. and I sleep fine, but I'm wondering, oh, would I sleep even better if I didn't have, mm -hmm. is it blue light or whatever it is that they're saying your exposure when you're on the computer to a certain type of light. So, so we'll see, I'm going to try it again. Um, but I, 
I don't know if it affects my ability to sleep because I the last thing I look at before I go to bed is my phone, for better or worse. I know you're not supposed to, but for me, it's putting the shutting the computer and getting out of my kitchen okay. and throwing well, away the cupcakes because... <laughs> well, that definitely helps. Yes. Lead us not into temptation. Oh, yes. Lead us into the trash. Yep. Yes. Well, there's something, it's smoldering hot for the flame for me this week. And that is that I had a chance. I got to spend an evening with my favorite athlete of all time, Will the Thrill Clark. Will was first baseman for the San Francisco Giants from 1987 up through to uh, 1993. And he is truly my all-time fave. Like my passcode Haley involved like his number 22 because okay. that's how much I loved him. He's a lefty. He has this beautiful swing. He's from Louisiana. He's very intense. And I have a question for you and for our listeners to consider. It's almost like there's a sniff test. There are people who love Will Clark and it's almost like you know who they are before mm. you even meet them. I will say something about, you know, oh, I was at this event. So it was Olympic Club Foundation, Swinging for the Fences. The money went to inner city baseball in San Francisco. He was the keynote speaker. And people who, they don't even need to, they don't even need to tell me. And they tell me he was my favorite. And I'm thinking, I knew that. I already knew that. He is totally a certain personality type. He is like a very, very intense competitor. And he just brought it. He's beloved. The Giants are retiring his jersey this summer. Wow. He will not be in the Hall of Fame. He's he's good, but he wasn't that great. But he truly, like, he brought, in 1985, the team had 100 losses. And he's one of the reasons, like, there was, like, this kickstart change in the organization. The Giants were in the World Series in 1989, which is the Bay Bridge Series when they had the earthquake. But Will is a big reason that people love, I mean, this guy. And so I just think there are certain athletes. There's got to be certain athletes like that, that are just, it's a unique love for them. So I don't have another city. I'm not a part of another city where I would know that. Like Derek Jeter is awesome and people love the captain, but he doesn't have the, per Will's personality is, it's like, you know, bring it. Um, and people love him for it. Um, so I don't know. So that's interesting. I, I would imagine there's people who feel that way, who do feel that way about Derek Jeter, or maybe he, they know, his, you know, his personality better in New York. Do, yeah. I, I, when I saw this in the notes, do I, I don't know if I have a favorite athlete. I've really been trying to think about that. Um, and I don't have an answer. I have athletes that I really like. I have ones I've really enjoyed at certain times during seasons. I might be following a team and really love a certain player and love watching, you know, him or her play. But in terms of an all-time favorite athlete, like I hear you speaking about Will Clark, I don't I don't know if I do. Uh, and that's that's kind of for someone who loves sports and follows them and watches them as much as I do, that's kind of an interesting I need to think about why I don't. And because so many people do. And my kids clearly do, but it, it changes as players, let's say, rotate through the Ravens or Notre Dame players come and go. I mean, I can't even think of who my favorite Notre Dame player is uh, of all sports. Right. So I, I need to think on that a little bit yeah. in terms of who is my favorite athlete. Well, 
as you were saying that, I was thinking it's it's always bothered me that I don't have a favorite color. <laughs> <laughs> and my niece, when she was five, was like, what? Like, how is that possible? Well, that's and what it, I was true. just thinking. I What? How do you not have a favorite color? It, it got a visceral reaction from her. And it's true. Like, I I, I actually really like green, but I, I, I can't own it as my favorite color. Or, you know, people will ask these questions, favorite book, favorite movie. And it's fun to have favorites, but like, if it's not authentic, it's just, then maybe there's not one, but just Will is this time in my life. And again, the Bay Area. And then I lived in South Louisiana where he is from and I know like his culture. So, you know, another question is some people don't want to meet their heroes or their favorite athletes because there's so much pressure in the moment. And I've actually, I actually met him like five years ago, but it was very brief. And I, I don't feel like it counted. Like this time I actually had like a one-on-one conversation with him um, I tried to channel my inner Hannah Storm by like interviewing him a little bit with some sports questions that I wanted to know. But some people don't want to meet their heroes because they're disappointed. I was not disappointed. I was thrilled for lack of a better word, but it was a smaller gathering. It was just a real, it was really special. It was just special to be part of it. And I didn't hog him. I didn't want to, I mean, I, I truly would have like gladly spent like a lot of time at the bar because he closed down the bar. I mean, he's that guy at the dinner. I would, I could have spent, but you just give these people their space. I think that's also really important. Um, a lot of people wanted to have their time with him and he was very generous with his time, but. Well, um, I would, so much I yeah, I would imagine that's why so many people feel about him the way that they do or the way you do, right. Is because he is such a, a generous hero in that sense, right? He's not going to be as popular as he am with is, excuse me, with the masses if he's kind of a jerk or blows people off or doesn't embrace his fans. He is, you know, really a hero in that sense. It's 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 exhausting to to cater to your fans in that way. And yet he's very gracious about it because my yeah. guess is he also recognizes that his fans really brought him where he is you know I really yeah. think fans play a huge role in the popularity of athletes yeah so that's, yeah we celebrate him in the city I mean that's great July 30th I cannot wait it is it's like Christmas in July as they used to say fun so, fun 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 well Clark day yeah. okay so I need yeah, to so. maybe that will be one of my takeaways is navigating the week thinking about who who are my favorite athletes to watch I can tell you it's not going to be a, a jockey, a horse jockey. but <laughs> <laughs> Right. But, you know, you could also think of other favorites. Like, do you have other, what are some other favorites? People say favorite food, favorite beverage. It, it's fun just to kind of take a mental inventory. It, it costs nothing it to does. do that. True. So, true, true, true. Yes. <laughs> yes. So... What's cooking in our spiritual stew? So, you know, we're getting some really classic gospels uh, recently. I know last week we talked about, um, you know, do unto others as you would have done to you. We've talked about love one another as I have loved you. Some really kind of key themes. Um, and then, of course, this week we have in John's gospel again, and maybe it's John that gives us these really great sound bites, um, you know, just being the eloquent writer that he it was. But, you know, you have the phrase in Sunday's gospel, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Uh, and boy, I don't know, you know, when I heard it this week, and I've read it, you know, a couple times since then, actually before and after hearing it, 
there is so much what's the what's the unrest i guess i'm trying to think what's the opposite of peace there is there mm-hmm. is not a lot of peace in our world right now mm-hmm. and i don't think there i don't think many people are walking around with peace in their hearts and i I, there are times even where, where I am not, where I get caught up in, in what I'm doing and how I'm feeling and all that's going on. And I'm not sure I even have a sense of peace. But yeah. it's it's really what, you know, when I was thinking about, my first thought was, that's really all Jesus wants from us is just that sense of peace. And then I thought, no, that actually really isn't all he wants. You know, love, peace is the mo- not the most important thing. I think love is the most important thing. But if you could just, if we could live our lives with the peace and the love that Jesus asks of us, I I think we'd all be in a better place. And I think they probably go hand in hand. So asking, you know, being asked to love one another as, as Jesus, as God loves us is again, hard to do, simple request, very easy to understand what we're being asked to do. And I think if we can do that, the peace follows it. So I really think they go hand in hand, but I I am not always feeling the peace right now and I need to figure out a way to navigate my life. Eating better, getting more sleep will help, but um, looking for really peaceful hearts right now. I think that word is so poignant, unrest. I think that's a very fitting word. And it the first thought that came to mind when you were talking about that, Haley, is truly that is the grace and the need for, that is the grace of prayer and that's why we need prayer or i really do believe in meditation that silence and that stillness i recall a couple of years ago when we were looking for a president at st ignatius high school my colleague who is a very faith-filled man probably one of the most virtuous people I know. He said, I want my leader to be a person of prayer. And I thought, well, how do you quantify that? How do you know? But then you read about Pope Francis who begins his day with prayer. Like it's like two hours, I think of prayer is what he begins wow. with. And you think on one, you know, for me, oh, I gotta go, it's too much time. But I think you can only offer peace when and if we're in dialogue, I mean, that's what prayer is. It's time with the Lord. It's dialogue with the Lord or just being in God's presence. If it's centering prayer or meditation or that stillness, because you are right. There's, I mean, there's a lot of reasons right now people are walking around without, that are walking around weary or right without peace agitated or Mm -hmm. yes. And then You've added the other dimension, the things that we can do in our own lives in addition to prayer that help center us and ground us. It's a lot of personal discipline, sounds like. It is, but. and that that would be an interesting topic. And you don't hear about that word discipline. Of course, the word disciples is is right there with it. Um, yeah, so- but but that, that sense of discipline, I mean, that's exactly what it was throughout the week when I was trying to make sure I took care of myself, right? And getting enough sleep, it took discipline. And I think, you know, when you asked, how did I do it? I think that's exactly what we need to do to find that peace and to make time to pray. Pray. It takes discipline. And I, I'm struggling with that right now. That's something I, I really need to work on. Do you think people hear that word though and they think rigid, like too, like rigidity? So I'm just concerned, like, 
so say I'm someone, you know, myself, I, I do, I, I find myself, I'm like, I need to slow down. I need to just, I need to center myself and pray. And, you know, and I'm, I'm trying on that. I'm trying that. And I feel the difference, but do you think for some people that might, that word discipline is seen as like, Oh, I, I don't want to be a part of that. I can't do that. Or I, I mean, a would a question. better word be invitation to pray? So when I'm, I, I do call prayer a spiritual discipline in class. I, I do think it's a discipline because like your discipleship, you're right. It's doing, um, it's the actual work, but I, I only ask that out of fear. Would, would some people be turned away if they like, oh, it's one more discipline. It's like one more to-do list thing. Well, and I think that's, I think that is the heart of all of it. No one likes to be told what to do. And I think what discipline is, is when, when thought about in the right context, it's doing it ourselves. So it's self-discipline. But you're right, that, that word can, can have a, a negative connotation that maybe is underlying where people don't follow it. But I also think we've gotten into, and all of us, right, into a place where we just kind of want to do what works for us. And mm -hmm. what works for us isn't always, we don't always know. So right. part right. of that prayer is centering yeah. ourselves to make sure that we know you know, yeah. I, I will say this is this is where, and I'm not a big yogi at all, but because I do find it hard to slow down and clear my brain and just, you know, send all the other thoughts out of my mind. But boy, it's it is it is truly, and it takes discipline to do it. But it is it's it's a gift in my life when I am able to um, yeah. experience that practice. Yeah, yoga. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, my piece of the spiritual stew is rather corollary because it's about this time of year. So we're this Sunday will be Pentecost, and so we have uh, the conclusion of Mass on Sunday. Our pass or the priest, excuse me, he's not the pastor. He said, hey, we're approaching the end of these 90 days. So he put this time of the Easter season in the context of the bigger picture, the Lent, which is the spiritual discipline, mm -hmm. the Easter season, which is the fruit of the discipline, right? The celebration. And he said, we're approaching the end of these 90 days. So let us continue. And he just wanted us to rejoice and to recall kind of this time which we're in. But we are never alone in our discipline because of what Jesus gave us, the Holy Spirit. So he, when he left, he said, I, that's, just, that's why he gave the Holy Spirit. And so for Pentecost, which is right, the descent of the Holy Spirit unto the disciples, it is really a time. And I think it's so fitting because it's always at this time of graduation. May is this time of movement. It's just to me, mm -hmm. things are happening and and maybe it's in the light because in the Northern hemisphere, for us, the days are so long, it's so great, but everything's in the light. And I just always feel like there really is movement at this time of year and that's the spirit at work. So call on the Holy Spirit. We've talked about this prayer many times, come Holy Spirit and kindle the hearts of the faithful, inspire in them the fire of your love. There are so many great prayers about the Holy Spirit. So. Just a reminder for us too that we're not alone and the spirit is working. Yeah, you've I think you've mentioned that before that May is the month of movement, and I had forgotten that. Um, 
You're right. There are a lot of moving parts. It's hard to find that peace. Uh, it's hard to find that discipline, but that's, that's going to be a great, you know, takeaway for me, a great part of the, the melting pot this week. I'm going to practice self-discipline in all ways. I am going to put my computer down and head to bed earlier tonight than perhaps I normally would had we not had this conversation, but I'm also going to make more time for prayer. So not just going to do what I did last week. I'm going to build on that, but also make sure that I am maybe putting my phone down before I go to bed and having some peace um, within myself and that prayerful time um, before I go to sleep. So those are my takeaways. Sounds so nice. So my takeaway is something that I read. There's a podcast that I like. It's called Side Side Hustle School, but the uh, the creator of the podcast, it's every single day. He's done it for years. His name is Chris Gilbo, and he has a new book out. And it's like a hundred things that you should do. And I will probably, we should probably, I'll probably talk more about it another time. But one of his suggestions, Haley, was to be a very good note taker. And he, he recommended just the value in taking notes. So, you know, when I, I don't take notes at mass, but when I hear a speaker or I was at a breakfast for a student of mine won a scholarship, I take notes. I was, we were, took girls to Levi's for this event for a women's sports initiative with the 49ers. I take notes. Now, my problem is that my notes are not in the same place. They are in different pieces of paper and I do have a moleskin or everybody has a notebook, but he was just, I think he's right. Like learn to take in notes, but also like if you can't access your notes, what good are they? Mm -hmm. So I know that you're supposed to write things down. And I was thinking about lists and a lot of people are big on lists and some people resist the list, but the, whether or not it's a list, it's just writing things down so you can remember them. So if the list is a turnoff as a discipline, don't think of it that way, but just think about writing it down so that you have it in a place and or same place by which you can refer to something. That's what I would like to, to do a better job at doing. Okay. That sounds like a good one as well. Now, are you a pen and paper list note taker or electronically? No way. Yes. Pen and paper. I love to cross it out. Yes. Yeah. Some people are really driven by that. Yeah. I just, I need to, I need to do pen and paper. I agree. I'm with you on that. Could be a little Um, generational, but, um, yeah, but that's okay. I'm happy to be in the generation of paper and pen list and note takers. Right. Right. Well, and we will try to connect next week, but I have to tell you, of course, next week is Memorial day weekend. It is also my son's high school graduation. So busy, busy time. Um, pray, pray yep. lots of movement, pray for all of these seniors as we navigate the, this week, there's thousands of them, millions, probably across the country going through baccalaureate, really a, an exciting time for, for students, yeah. but also a time of movement, a time of uncertainty, a time of maybe not feeling peaceful, but, yeah. um, an exciting time nonetheless. So we yeah. will either connect next week or the week after, but certainly, um, working on that self-discipline, note-taking, being very present, doing the words and the deeds that, that Jesus asks of us with peace and love. So, and with that, I wish you a great week. Thank you. Congratulations to our graduates, to their parents, our families. 
to all those students who have won special awards. It's always a spirited time of year. I love when, when great kids are recognized for their hard efforts academically, spiritually, socially, athletically. It's just super fun. So congratulations to everyone and offer that prayer. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Amen.